straight to the brain. Welcome to episode two of Straight to the Brain, a podcast where I do research on a scientific topic and try to make it more digestible for the masses. I'm your host, Xavier Fajardo. Sitting here next to me is my co-host, Mio Ramos. What's up? This episode is part two of two for COVID-19. Last week, we covered what is a virus, Mm -hmm. gray markets, etiology, virus attachment, entry, and replication, as well as symptoms and pathogenesis. This week, we will be focusing on transmission, epidemiology, diagnostics, treatment, prevention, and viral escapes. Heck yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited to get to that point. Yeah, this, it's going to be the, it's getting nitty gritty. Yeah, it's an interesting story because the way I explain it, I don't get too deep into it. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of do a deeper dive into just that topic alone, it's because uh, you don't you don't necessarily think about Cold War era incorporating scientists too much unless mm-hmm. you're thinking about like the nuclear arms race and mm-hmm. the physicists and engineers who went into making the atom bomb. But during this time, it was kind of that weird Iron Curtain thing where we had no idea what people were doing on either side of it. Yeah, exactly. And at the time, it was super important to try and get this influenza coverage. And even though we'll find out later how a virus escaped from what was the Soviet Union, Mm -hmm. there were all these cover-ups to try and hide it. And a lot of the Western scientists were kind of just going along with it simply because they didn't want to offend them and lose out on important data. So, yeah, it's just like this weird Cold War (laughs) scientific espionage, even though the virus and we'll get into it. The virus wasn't released uh, with malicious intent. It is just kind of interesting because everything of it all. Yeah. Everything (laughs) from Cold War era, because even like Chernobyl, like Chernobyl wasn't an act of malicious intent like Mm -mm. it it just happened but they tried to cover it up and it's just kind of exactly it was a whoopsie poopsie (laughs) and this is a viral whoopsie poopsie Uh, exactly uh yeah and did you actually see uh that news article and i think it was going around on social media too how that one young woman had to get a double lung transplant in chicago i actually retweeted about it i didn't i didn't deep dive into it but i know that the woman she was a nurse or a doctor of some kind oh really i didn't know that and she was oh not the woman that got the transplant the woman that had tweeted it originally oh and she was talking about all she was like look at this fucked up shit i saw at work exactly well she well she was just talking about it and trying to raise awareness like hey you need to keep wearing your masks oh because this is what could happen and like you were saying before how, um, Man, that could be a thing. Uh, you know how, like, on packs of cigarettes in different countries, how it has yeah. a picture of a diseased lung, it, or like, or lung. like jaw cancer <laughs> on the pack of cigarettes. They're gonna have they to start should. doing that, like, at bars, They're, like where they just put yeah. a picture up of like, this is what your lungs look like after COVID nineteen. Exactly. But she was just talking about it and saying like, hey, you still, this still needs to, you know, be prevented because a lot of people could get hurt by it. Like, this was a completely healthy woman, and this is what. Her lungs look like after COVID-19. And so I was like, wow, like, yes, I see so many people walking around without their masks or their children don't have masks and they have masks, which is completely absurd. and makes absolutely no sense. And so I feel like what better way to spread the word like, hey, you should keep wearing your masks than to, you know, repost it on social media. So as many people can see it as possible, especially the people I care about, like friends and family. So... 
I did definitely see it. I just didn't get too um, into depth about all of the details of it. So would you mind oh, yeah, me a yeah, little and bit more and about and that? And it really sucks, too, because it's like, yeah, you don't want to be a fear monger. Yeah, like, you don't no, want to, like, scare but everyone. But it's like it's the only thing that seems to get through to a lot of people. Yeah, physical, uh, physically, <laughs> physically seeing the damage that it can do to you. You know, versus just conjuring up the idea in your head, like, oh, you're in bed for a few weeks with a cough. And it's like, no, like, these people are on ventilators, you know, their lungs yeah, are this torn woman, apart. This woman was in her 20s. They mm-hmm. didn't really specify the actual age. And it's all, you know, patient, doctor, confidentiality. Yeah. And so she was in her early 20s, Hispanic woman in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And she was completely healthy, had no pre-existing conditions whatsoever. But I did see that she was on a medication that actually inhibits your immune system. Okay. And so I'm not entirely sure as to why she was on that because mm-hmm. typically you don't really put people on immune inhibitors yeah. unless they already suffer from some kind of autoimmune disease mm-hmm. of some sort, which if they said they had no pre-existing conditions, then I doubt she had an autoimmune disease mm-hmm. or if you got a, some kind of transplant. Like oh, you have see, to take you have to take immune inhibitors when you get a transplant to keep your own immune system from murdering the transplant you mm-hmm. just got. I showed you though online the picture and we actually covered this in our signs and symptoms and pathogenesis section mm-hmm. of the episode where I talked about how ground glass opacities is a characteristic of damaged lungs. It doesn't necessarily mean you have COVID-19, but when you see those ground glass opacities in those CT scans, it's indicative of extensive tissue damage. Mm-hmm. And I showed you the images of that woman's oh, CT scan, and it's just all hazy. Up. Yeah, so she definitely had a lot of tissue damage. Definitely. There, I also found the picture of the actual lung that had been removed. looks pretty gnarly. I will <laughs> definitely be posting both pictures on the website. Looks like it had craters in it. For everybody to see. Yeah, it, like lo- it looks pretty brutal. It, it really does. really bad, yeah. Like a diseased moon. Very important to have that circulating around yeah i actually heard something today and i thought it was pretty interesting and i can't necessarily relate to it too much because i've never really had a presence online in the social media (laughs) sphere but i heard this term like social media brain like it's kind of like people only think about things if it's constantly flashed at them through social media and so right now with all the protests going on and all of that in the news people aren't seeing COVID-19 news constantly popping up on their feed anymore. Yeah. And so people kind of just forget. Mm -hmm. And so would you say, like, that's kind of something you experience with social media? Is it kind of just whatever is popping in your face is what's immediately... No, absolutely. Especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, which I completely support. Um, It's... That's been plastered on my Twitter feed, which I completely understand. I've been trying to retweet as much things as possible to also raise awareness for that. But... I I do also believe that we still really need to be protecting ourselves and others while wearing our masks. You know, it's not just for us because you never know. You could have it and you don't know yet. And then you're just coughing all over the place because you don't have a mask on. And then you give it to somebody else who's completely healthy. You know what I mean? And that's it's really important to remember to wear your masks, even if you don't want to and you're over it or you've been quarantined for so long. It's like. Yeah, but it it's still it's so important. It's so 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 important. It's very frustrating when people don't understand that. So I try to um, post about that as well as other things that are very important today to you know raise awareness to everybody about what they need to stay on and what they need to think about. And that's definitely one of those things. 
For sure. And yeah, and I, I definitely 100% understand a lot of people wanting to open up more because it's not as simple as I want to go out. It's also yeah. business owners who who mm-hmm. who are losing money, but it, it's just important to do things smart. Mm-hmm. But on that note, let's go ahead and jump into transmission and figure out how you actually contract COVID-19. Heck yes. The first cases of COVID-19 were linked to direct exposure to the Huanan Seafood Wholesale Market in Huan. Uh, therefore, animal-to-human transmission was presumed to be the original mechanism of transmission. Later cases involved people who were not exposed directly to the market or animals from the market. At this point, human-to-human transmission is concluded as another mechanism of transmission. Mm-hmm. Uh as with other respiratory pathogens, COVID-19 is spread via respiratory droplets produced by coughing, sneezing, or talking. Chip, chip. These respiratory viruses really take advantage of the fact that humans are social animals, as we mentioned before, because we, we're yeah. usually within close well, proximity of one <laughs> another and so much so forth. Yeah. Uh, actual transmission occurs predominantly when respiratory droplets from an infected individual are expelled by way of coughing or sneezing. And then these respiratory droplets containing virus are inhaled through the mouths or noses of others. From there, we know that SARS-CoV-2 virions drift along your respiratory system until they come into contact with a cell presenting ACE2 receptors. So wear those masks when out in crowds. Might as well just spit in your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, wear those masks when out in crowds, uh, especially if you're protesting right now. uh, Because yelling and shouting Mm -hmm. will produce more droplets uh, than your inside voice. Uh, so like there's more likelihood of spreading virus and uh, I-, I promise a piece of cloth covering your nose and mouth will not detract attention from our goal in seeing more police accountability um, but some studies suggest that aerosol transmission is also possible in situations with elevated respiratory droplet production uh, especially within enclosed areas mm-hmm. and uh, aerosol droplets are basically just super small droplets that are able to stay suspended in air for longer periods of time due to their small size and weight. Aerosolized virus can be especially dangerous in the modern world because air conditioning can actually aid in keeping these aerosolized droplets suspended longer. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting. I've noticed when I'm like at work and I'm on break or whatever, and I'll like because it's two stories, so I'll look from the top where we have like our little area where we chill. Yeah, there's out like for a sniper's lunch. nest. It's like a yeah, perch where you can just like stare cool. out at all the consumers. Exactly. Watch all those but consumers consume. I'll, I'll notice. I'll notice that um, a a lot of people will come in with their they'll come in with their masks on. And then right when they get in, kind of like an umbrella in the rain, they'll just, like, take it off. They're like, I don't need this anymore. And I'm like, you're inside the store. Like, that's when you need it the most. <laughs> that's when you need it the most. And it blows my mind, actually. Well, they're, they're, I mean, woman well, they're just her. being assholes, though, because they're wearing it just to get inside, to get past the, the, like, LP. I mean, in my store, having masks on isn't, they don't need to have them. No, I know. But that's, like, what they're, like, I'm pretty sure that's what people were doing. Like, you know what I mean? Because they would wear them to get no, past. No, I saw it this week actually no i know but recently. people are still doing oh, it in general yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh before because a lot of people still don't realize they that they ask them to leave before when the laws were a lot more strict they weren't like get out <laughs> well they, they wore it in and once they got into the store they would take it off exactly but i'm saying the the law the rules weren't super strict back then where even if they saw them off inside the store they wouldn't be like you need to leave oh they would but it's not like they're gonna go hunting for people oh they should have had people like that just wearing like capes 
<laughs> Making sure everybody <laughs> doesn't. Had a mask on. You get out. Don't spray droplets. Yeah. No. They have like Lysol cans. They're ready to spray. As much as I want people to wear their masks, we also just can't have like a fascist dystopia. They have like a bubble gun, and it like when they shoot it, it like creates this bubble. It blows them their brains it, out. It, oh. No. <laughs> It captures them. <laughs> it fires. It's like it's a, humane. <laughs> it's less lethal force. <laughs> oh my god! What god. if the bubble encapsulates their head and they drown? No, it's it has air inside. Yeah, until they breathe it all up. It's also supposed to be quick. <laughs> <laughs> you have to apprehend them immediately after containing <laughs> their fucking head in a bubble. And then when you take them outside, you just pop the bubble, and you're like, "All right, go get your mask, and then you can come back inside." <laughs> it's supposed to be super chill. Oh, okay. Anyways, <laughs> uh, most transmission occurs within six feet. Uh, mm-hmm. A few studies have shown that SARS-CoV-2 can be detected on a plethora of different surfaces for hours to days. So transmission is technically possible by way of face touching if the hands in question have recently come into contact with a surface saturated with infected respiratory droplets. <laughs> However, the viability of these virions is debatable. Uh, once virions are exposed to the outside environment, their viability starts to decrease quite a bit. Uh, in fact, there is presumed to be no cases of COVID-19 caused by transmission via way of fomites. And uh, fomites is just a fancy word for inanimate objects that may carry infectious agents, uh, like smallpox blankets. <laughs> it's the best Can example I could come up with, and that's awful. The kid's like, oh, a blanket, I'm cold. And they're just like bundled up, and the next day they just have smallpox. I know it's so crazy. Obviously, one day I'm gonna do a small packs episode, smallpox episode. But it's just crazy to think that there's only two samples left of it, and like we completely eradicated oh, yeah. smallpox because it was so deadly. Mm-hmm. But there's only two samples left, and the U.S. has one, and Russia has one, and like the whole debate about the efficacy of like should we destroy war. them? The smallpox war. Well, exactly, because oh. it's like it's like should we destroy them? But what if we destroy them and someone else actually had a sample, and then they make a bioweapon, and now we don't have a sample to make vaccines like security. from? Yeah, and so it, but yeah, it's, it's super very, weird. It's still scary because yeah. it's like anything can happen. For the sake of science and as a scientist, I 100% believe that we should keep them. But it's just an interesting debate. But eh, this isn't the time or place for that. <laughs> and just because I said you're less likely to contract the virus from fomites uh, doesn't mean you should go around and start turning doorknobs with your mouth or stop sanitizing frequently touched surfaces. Um, as for the least likely way that one might contract COVID-19, I would have to say contracting the virus directly from an animal reservoir. I mean, the U.S. has the highest number of infected individuals, and I don't think very many of us here in the States come into regular contact with fruit bats. But they're cute. They're adorable. They are. Flying foxes is also what they're called. So cute. They're massive, though. Oh, big. They're cute. Like, they're like huge like a, cocks. Like, small, like a small dog. Have you ever seen like, small dog like, a male, like a male flying fox hanging upside down? I have not. Yeah, like if they like unfurl their penis like it's like almost like touching their face when they're hanging upside down it's insane (laughs) i don't envy the female flying fox they're just cute they're just eating their fruit because they're just getting like spit roasted like that's fucking terrible (laughs) because it's the length of its body like i don't understand they gotta reproduce somehow (sighs) i digress (laughs) um now as we come to the end of our transmission section and transition into epidemiology i would like to discuss how climate affects the spread of respiratory infections including covid19 yes Uh, as we know respiratory viruses are spread via respiratory droplets 
these droplets stay suspended in the air for a longer period of time when the air is dry and cold. Uh, when the air is humid and warm, the respiratory droplets fall to the ground faster and don't have and don't travel as far, decreasing the likelihood of transmission. Mm-hmm. Knowing this, many people predict an ebb to our current pandemic and possibly its complete eradication. However, one should not assume that the grace of warmer weather alone will vanquish COVID-19. Uh, if that were the case, then why would we still have seasonal respiratory infections? Mm-hmm. Uh, remember... As the northern hemisphere moves into warmer weather, the southern hemisphere is moving into their fall and winter. Uh, For the southern hemisphere, autumn begins on March 1st, uh, our spring in the northern hemisphere, and winter begins on June 1st, our summer. That blows my mind. How do you think they're... What? Oh, what? I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, do you remember like in elementary school when teachers would have those fancy pictures of like the different months and each one would have like a fun little picture? Yeah. It was like, like oh. October would be like Halloween. Yeah. And That's so such a good point. It's like, what do you think theirs looks like? It's all fucking backwards. And, I like, know. June like, first like, is like, like a little snowman. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, so what? weird. It yeah. Used, yeah. It has like a sun and like little flip flops and like a, like a sand pail, I guess. For, like, January? Yeah, January, it, it would have, like, little snowflakes and maybe, like, firework to symbolize yeah, for the us. new year. Yeah. But for oh, them, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. Yeah, wow. I've never I've never thought about that. Way to I put yourself in other people's lot. shoes. Yeah, I, I think about it a lot because I want to see what it looks like and how cute it is. <laughs> I always like looking at them and seeing. Well, yeah, because even we, we went to, co- like, we went, calendar does we went to Cozumel and it was hot as shit, but it was freezing in over January, here. Right in January? Yes. Yeah, we went to, beautiful. Yeah, we went to Cozumel in January so and it was beautiful and it was hot. It was like this was another world. Yeah. It really was. The water was blue. Mm-hmm. It looked like it had dye in it. It was crazy. But yeah, so there's just an example like how dramatically like weather changes based yeah. on like how close <laughs> you are to the equator or what hemisphere you're in. Uh, but the southern hemisphere includes multiple Pacific islands, mm-hmm. uh, most of South America, most of Sub-Saharan Africa. And Australia. Uh, speaking of those countries, also, I know, like right now, Brazil's actually getting hit really hard to yeah. kind of go to show, like how, like this wasn't just over because it got warm in the northern hemisphere. Um, but un- it's unfo- like flipping now. Almost. Exactly. Unfortunately, many of the countries in the southern hemisphere do not have the resources or infrastructure to cope with massive outbreaks if they happen. Mm-hmm. So while our cases in the northern hemisphere are starting to plateau. Cases in the southern hemisphere may start to rise dramatically if actions are not taken by its people and governments, which, again, we're already starting to see in Brazil. Uh, And I'm going to go ahead and say that more developed countries also need to step up and help prepare the developing nations of the southern hemisphere for this pandemic, especially old colonial powers, since their centuries of power over many of these countries is largely why they're still developing in the first place. Mm-hmm. They gotta help them. Uh, keeping the virus in circulation until it can make its big reemergence in the northern hemisphere. And by then, who knows what mutations the virus may have undergone. So crazy. Yeah, like, the, the mutations it goes under, like, maybe it makes it... It's like it, updating. <laughs> yeah, and maybe it makes it less lethal. Like, there's a possibility yeah. that the mutations make it less lethal because being less lethal also means, like, it transmits more. And so, like, that could happen. But it could also become more deadly, and we just don't know what we're getting. And so mm-hmm. it's more advantageous for us to be like, no, let's help the southern hemisphere and stop it there before it comes back again. Yeah. Which it's kind of sad that, like, yeah, but whatever. Help your boys out. <laughs> we're all the same species, you know? 
Don't uh, stay alive. <laughs> it it's the species. <laughs> yeah, we're all just people. Yeah, we're all just some humanoids trying to stay alive. Just a can't, bunch of humans. Can't let a little tiny dot that we can't even see kill us off. Uh no, but yeah, but I I think I think the hum- so complex though. Yeah, the, the, the humble crazy. the humble virus deserves our respect for what it's capable of. Oh, definitely. Because if you want to get so destructive, if you want to get real with like what the game of life is, like technically, like art, the 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 upper human brain and love and empathy, all of that aside, like the actual like game of life is just proliferation, simple numbers. It's like who has more, you're winning life. And so if you look at it that way, it's like viruses are like one of the most, uh, even though they're, e- even though they're technically not a living organism, yeah. like they're kicking ass at oh, this whole definitely. numbers game. Mm-hmm. But I mean, can they compose a beautiful piece of music, Mia? Truth. Exactly. Can and they that- fall in love? <laughs> <laughs> beautiful. Uh, some of the epidemiology has already been mentioned up top, but now we are going to focus on how the virus was traced back to the wildlife market, mm-hmm. at-risk populations, some statistics, and one epidemiological study that I found particularly interesting. You did? I did. That's amazing. And I'm going to share it with you. Yes. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> uh, the first cases of what we now call COVID-19 were reported in early December, mm-hmm. and it quickly spread throughout China. Uh, This is thought to have happened so quickly because the beginning of the pandemic actually overlapped with the Chinese New Year's, Mm -hmm. uh, which this is a time of mass movement about the country. So everybody, everybody from major cities is going back to their rural towns to Mm -hmm. like visit home for the new year. And they're bringing back this virus to these major cities and all these people are moving around because I know they were trying to limit some of the movement out of Wuhan once they understood what was happening. But it was kind of already too late. Yeah, it is what it is. Once it's out, it's out. What it is. Uh, <laughs> since the first patients were all exposed either directly or indirectly to the Huanan seafood market, China CDC researchers collected 585 environmental samples from the wildlife market on the 1st and 12th of January 2020. Uh, they detected 33 samples containing SARS-CoV-2, mm-hmm. confirming that the wildlife market was a major source of the virus. And this discovery further supported the theory that SARS-CoV-2 is of zoonotic origin and not laboratory-made. Animals. Uh, Because the virus spreads... You know what I just thought of right now because you said that? I was like, oh my god. I mean, obviously they're vaccinated and stuff, and so they're taking care of way better than a wildlife market. Mm -hmm. But on the topic of like unnatural animals being close together with humans and virus swapping, a petting zoo... Oh, goats. Could you Little ima- baby goats. Could, but, like, if there's, like, pigs and geese and, like, ducks and, like, rabbits there's, and all this. and like poop everywhere. And the, all the kids are touching them. And then, oh, so, yeah. like, the kid goes, touches Licking one animal, hands. takes the virus and gives it to another animal. And yeah. in my head, I'm like, wouldn't that be tragic if, like, the pandemic that ends the human species comes out of a, a petting, petting zoo? zoo? But, hey, it's a high possibility. Damn. That'd be hilarious. It's like it, it, we were meant to go <laughs> at that point. <laughs> at that point, uh, we were not. Us. We were not long for this Pathetic. earth. Pathetic. <laughs> uh, it it wasn't nuclear holocaust. It, <laughs> it was, was the petting, petting zoo. zoo. <laughs> That's like what they're teaching in like the new like fucking race of people who live here. Stay away from the kids. the Lumerians who retake the earth as their rightful kingdom. Black Philip will kill us all. Right, he's the third. Oh, Black Philip from yeah. The Witch. Yeah. Okay. Is he you got. Goat? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I just made it creepy. It's so cool. It's such a cool goat. He is a cool goat. If anybody's seen the witch, super good A24 film, um, a lot about like the power of like the female sexuality though. It's about like how, like how people just inherently fear the female sex. Really good movie. Um, but yeah, there's this, there's this wicked looking goat called Black Phillip, but black uh, hair, black horns, yeah, black but, eyes, but it's it, crazy. I don't, it did not have black eyes. I don't yeah, think, it did it? I mean, it was, this, it looked like it had dead eyes. At least maybe it's pupils. Should I look it up? No. No. Don't do that. Stop looking up things that up. these people aren't going to see. No, up. stop it. Um, uh, just a simple but a, Bing search away. <laughs> but just a Bing search away, people. Bing. Search away. Uh, bingle. Bingle. A bingle tiger. <laughs> uh, he was wicked in a cool way. Yeah, but he's also pretty cool. He will kill us all, though. It depends. <laughs> uh, because the virus spreads mostly through direct exposure to respiratory droplets, people most at risk for infection are healthcare workers and their families since they have prolonged close contact with infected individuals. Truth. I imagine this was an even bigger problem during the beginnings of this pandemic when not as many precautions were taken yeah. because typically like a healthcare professional, like you want to build a rapport um, with your patients. And so you don't want to be mask, glove, face shield. Like you typically go mm-hmm. in there pretty unarmed. Exactly. And about so your like, health can be scary. Yeah. And so unfortunately, like a lot of these people like got infected and spread it to their families. Yeah. Uh, along with healthcare professionals, other workers that have been deemed "quote unquote" essential are also at higher risk due to increased exposure to people. Mm-hmm. So that's you, Mia. Uh, the most at risk for severe disease are the elderly, uh, people with compromised immune systems, and people with pre-existing heart and/or lung conditions. My grandfather. Oh no. Uh, approximately half of the patients in critical condition had pre-existing conditions. Uh, infection has been reported in patients ages 15 to 89. Everybody. Uh, there may be people outside of this age range, but they may have gone unreported either due to a person being asymptomatic, so they simply never got tested, or just lack of available testing in some areas. Um, I got those numbers published from a research article, mm-hmm. but I've seen stories from random local news outlets talking about 100 plus year olds beating COVID or baby testing positive for COVID. And maybe those are true, but unfortunately, some things just get missed by researchers when uh, new data is constantly coming in. I mean, shit, I experienced it and I'm just doing research on their research. Yeah. <laughs> research on How meta. <laughs> Uh, the next little bit is going to sound like transmission information, but I promise it's pertinent to the study I'm about to talk about. Uh, SARS-CoV-2 has been found to have higher transmissibility rate than SARS-CoV. Uh, the effective reproductive number of SARS-CoV is 2.9. The reported effective reproductive number of SARS-CoV was 1.77 uh, at this stage comparatively. This means, on average, each infected patient transmits the infection to an additional 2.9 individuals. 0.9 of a person by missing your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like a toe. The headless horseman. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I, your head has to... 0.9? Your head has to that's account... That's a tenth of you that's missing. That's like, point, like your forehead. Wait, I wait. need to get a person in like... Right? Because one is one hole, and so it's 0.9. So 0.9 of you is still there. So where's the 0.1? So it's like a 10. No, it's the other way. It infects 2 and then 0.9 of a person. So you're missing 0.01. 
Exactly. So it's like a forehead piece or something. Okay, yeah, it's but it's not your amount. it's not your entire that's, head. That's why I said, okay, no, it's like a forehead piece. Mm. That's why I said I need a like a map of a person and I need. Oh, to we get, need to break it. I need to get like a ruler. And break, <laughs> that's like taking. Like, I I feet. see. No, I'm saying that's gonna go ahead and be a toe. And for the actual a reason toe. as to why that number is two point nine, Mia's joking. But if you don't Complete actually joke. know. Uh, it's 2.9 because some people, just the way the math works out, essentially, I don't really want to have to compare how no, no, taking no, no, an no. average I'm sure works. It's like an average. Yeah, yeah. It is an average. An average. Um, it's not. It's, it really is. It really is like 2.9. Uh, oh man. However, there has been uh, examples of what are called super spreaders. Uh, one example is this choir group from Skagit County in Washington State. Skagit. Skagit? Yeah, do you hail from Skagit? Are you repping Skagit? Skagit. One individual attended a choir practice on the 3rd of March with 78 members in attendance. And another choir practice on March 10th with 61 people in attendance. Big choir. So one person uh, attended two different choir practices. Mm -hmm. One with 78 members, Mm -hmm. one with 61 members. Mm -hmm. One on the 3rd of March, one on the 10th of March. This individual who attended both practices had no symptoms before March 3rd, but reported feeling symptoms on March 7th. So notice that's before the 10th. So didn't feel symptoms before that first meeting, but started feeling them before before going to the the second. second Yes. Okay. And yet this symptomatic individual still attended the other practice on March 10th, even though feeling symptoms. They had to sing, apparently. (laughs) Uh, by March 17th, a member from the Skagit County Choir informed the county public health office that multiple members from their 122-member choir had become ill and had symptoms related to COVID-19. After an investigation, it was determined that there were an estimated 53 cases, uh, 33 had been confirmed, and there was another 20 probable. Uh, this raises two concerns. One, which practice did most people get sick at? Uh, it takes two to 14 days after being infected with SARS-CoV-2 to mm-hmm. display symptoms, which increases transmission. But we know to isolate these individuals. Some people from the 53 cases had attended both choir practice. Okay. Is there a chance that they could have contracted it from a asymptomatic individual on the third? Or did they contract the virus once the primary vector was symptomatic on March 10th? Mm-hmm. Uh. So that would be an issue because that would mean like an asymptomatic person could spread that much. Um, it also raises concerns about how certain situations or occupations may make people super spreaders. Uh, like, for instance, a singer or how we talked about earlier, like protesters when you're shouting and stuff like that, trying to be loud and vocalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, a singer has their mouth open for prolonged periods of time, which allows for the spread of more respiratory droplets. And I know I can expel some little droplets from my face in the throes of a heated discussion. So yes. I'm sure that same happens with singing. I know I, you're quite the musician, <laughs> but were you ever a singer? I don't. I've, I've never. Were you ever in choir? I never, well, I was in choir on accident. And then I got switched to orchestra because <laughs> that was the class I was supposed to be in. But I was never in it like because I wanted to be or I was assigned to be. But heck, I'll sing in the shower in my car and scream a little bit. It's great. I respect that. Yeah, yeah. I, I for sure Doesn't do that. Everybody... I sing in my car all the time. So you fun. see that? Yeah. yeah, it's great. Good way to expel all those good emotions. <laughs> uh, of the people who got sick after attending the March third practice, only one did not attend the March tenth practice. Uh, therefore, it is more likely that those who contracted COVID nineteen actually contracted the virus on the tenth. Uh, once the once the person had already been showing symptoms. 
So like, uh, he was psychic. <laughs> so what? <laughs> he knew. He was like, I can't go to psychic practice. Oh yeah, he was like, something bad's about to happen. <laughs> something bad's about to happen. I can't go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Feeling in my bones. What if somebody was like, honey, like you actually need to clean the gutters today, and because of that, like, he didn't contract COVID nineteen. <laughs> I wanted to sing, honey. <laughs> I know. I'm a songbird, honey. You need to let me fly. <laughs> Um, but this still means that a single individual potentially spread his infection to another 53 people, much higher than the reported effective reproductive rate for SARS-CoV-2. That's a lot of people. That's such a big choir. Thinking about that, 53 people? The other one was 71 people? Do you, do you know how many rows that is? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Did you ever see that? You ever go to a choir concert and they have, like, those gray stands where people, like, it's, like... It's like at different um, tiers, basically, and so it allows like all of that sound to project towards like the audience. Fifty three people. That's a lot of people. Yeah, no, I like to think that maybe some of them are like alternates, like they're like third string yeah, choir. That's like if you think about like classes, like if you is that a thing in, like, a high like alternates? Class, yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, like uh, in like theater performances, there are alternates just in case someone gets hurt or something. Damn, that's like, crazy. Could I want to see third it's string? Like second string. <laughs> I want to. I want to see third string lead perform. Yeah. Probably sound <laughs> terrible. And it's like it's like all right. Looks like. <laughs> no, they all sound great. I'm sure, but there's probably someone just has a little yeah more oomph. Well, because I like to think sing. of it the same way as like you know how like if the president is out of commission, then it's the vice president and then the speaker of the house. Uh, and then at going. some point, like the fucking like, secretary, yeah, at some point, secretary of agriculture's president, and it's like, uh, someone in the audience is like, this is my turn. This is singing. <laughs> like press secretary, <laughs> it's like, hey, I just talk to people. Like I can't lead a nation. It's like, hey, everyone else is gone. Yeah, the janitor. I just, I just clean the toilet, man. <laughs> hey, if anything, I need that humble of a person to lead my country. Someone who cleans the toilet. Straight up, yeah. if you are willing. To make you can a living, my shit out of the toilet. Exactly, it's <laughs> lead me. Be, because it's a it's it's a nec- it's person. not a pretty job, but it's a necessary job, and yeah. you're doing it. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. You're and proud. that that takes gall, and I that's oh, that's the kind of person I, I want to lead my country. You're like I want to be a janitor. <laughs> janitor 2020. Oh, that's what my uncle wanted to be a janitor. Really? When he was young. Yeah. Interesting. My gra- I think they would ask him. I don't know if it was at school or my grandmother asked him like. What do you want to be when you grow up? And he was like, like I, I want to be the master of the custodial arts. I want to be a janitor. And they're like, wow. <laughs> and after a while, he's like, I'm not going to be a janitor. <laughs> Have you ever seen Half-Baked? It was cute. Uh, the movie gosh, a long time with ago. With Dave Chappelle. Yeah, there's he he's a he's it. a he's a janitor in the movie. Uh-huh. And he's like, I am a master of the custodial arts. Or a janitor if you want to be a dick about it. All right. Do a better job than I do. The first cases of human-to-human transmission in multiple countries, including the U.S., were reported on January 30th, 2020. Uh, so if SARS-CoV-2 did make its jump to humans in early December, that means it only took about two months for it to dig its spikes into essentially half the globe. <laughs> uh, current mortality rates are thought to be crude numbers since we're dealing with an active pandemic and healthcare systems are being overwhelmed. Uh, but we're still going to cover the current data. Mm-hmm. There are two different global mortality rates that I've seen for COVID-19, uh, 3.61% and 3.78%. However, mortality rates range from country to country for multiple reasons. For example, the mortality rate in the U.S. is 59 based on current data. Uh, we all heard about how hard Italy was hit, 
and their mortality rate is 13.8. But one factor contributing to this higher mortality rate is the fact that Italy is a blue zone, meaning they have a larger super elderly population compared to other places. uh, Since uh, since people in certain regions of Italy generally live longer, uh, but that means then you have more people who are at risk for more severe disease and possibly dying. They just wanted to go there and die peacefully. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, usually they're like, usually they yeah, like are born yeah, and raised in those areas because it's like kind of the culture that keeps them alive so long. No, definitely, but I just like to think that it's like a haven for people who just want like to go Florida. There and definitely not that place is. Yeah, but isn't that where like all the old people go to retire because it's like warm? It's pretty. You got beaches. It's like, it's like let's go to an island, but let's not go to an island. So this is our next best bet is something like this. Let's Unless go you to want to go to Hawaii, you got the balls to go to Hawaii. Go to Key West. Literal island, yeah. Hang out with all the roosters that just run around wild. <laughs> so cool. So it's so weird. Uh, uh, it's like Pokemon just running around. Let them be free. <laughs> uh, for sure. Until they start like act- because like originally like what they come from is is uh is fighting roosters. Mm-hmm. Like that's where that's why there's so many roosters in Key West because I think it was the Cubans who were coming to Key West like brought cockfighting with them. Yeah. And eventually cockfighting was outlawed in Key West. And so all these people, like, you don't usually eat roosters. And so, like, they were just like, eh. And they just released them because they're like, we can't use them to fight anymore. Let them and breed. so they started just breeding. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. because these are all fucking, like, alpha male roosters that were used for cockfights. So they're just full of testosterone and fucking cum mm-hmm. up to their eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. So they started breeding. And now they're everywhere. That's and a then, area, though. Yeah. I think a lot of people. because like deer I, in one area. Yeah, like how in how in Texas, like deer and hog are pests to us. There's a lot of them. Yeah, because like someone in New York like sees a deer in the suburbs, and they're like, oh, like how beautiful. But like in Texas, like there's like a pest. They are assholes. They don't care. They'll just chill on your lawn and eat the grass. Yeah, poop everywhere. And they're they're like they're, they're like what are you doing? And their call is awful. It's just like a scream. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like so weird. Whatever. They're uh, they they have their place. Yeah. Uh. But that's what happens when you take away predators from yeah, ecosystems. You know what I mean? Because it's like, yeah, ideally, like we don't have to kill so many deer and hog here in Texas. It's but like the mice in Australia. Remember, we were watching that about it and how they had like a serious pest yeah. problem. Well, yeah, that it happened in Australia really bad. So much. Yeah, because I, so many mice. Australia is so isolated that they like have their own like evolutionary branch of ma- yeah. like they have marsupials. Like yeah. so, all the animals there are marsupials. And then the so cool. and when it became a penal colony and all these like people from England were sent to Australia, they brought all of these animals and all of the like rodents and shit that like hitched a ride on these boats and they just started yeah. taking over Australia. That's but crazy. but yeah, here in Texas, we used to have wolves and like oh, and yeah, something yeah, yeah. similar to like a jaguar and like we used to have all these predators Back here, but we killed them all. We hunted oh. them all to extinction. So now there's nothing to naturally control the population of like hogs and deer. They just got squirrels. I hope that one. Yeah, they're just all good. Like the U- the UTSA squirrels are vicious. I- any of you out there who are uh, university or college students, I'm sure you've experienced this. Like how vicious and violent squirrels on campus are because <laughs> they're yeah because they're so used to being <laughs> fed and bees. they know what food is they're and they just addictive. snatch it. Yeah, they're <laughs> awful. So yeah, I just imagine like just like a pack of squirrels ripping apart like a hog. Because someone fed them bacon once. They throw like nuts at someone to death. Oh my god! What are they Pokemon? Instead of stoning someone, squirrel use bullet seed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they just lay there too. Have you seen the ones that it's just so hot that they just lay on their stomachs but like sprawled out? Yeah, they like sunbathe. It's hilarious. It's adorable. 
until they try to steal your food. Until they steal your fry, <laughs> and then and then that's like, a, hey, that, I paid three dollars for this. <laughs> oh yeah, to a college student stealing I'd our food—that's a declaration of war, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> Carrying on, <laughs> cases of COVID nineteen have been reported in two hundred and thirteen countries and territories. Uh, as of June fifth, twenty twenty, at the time I checked, which was approximately two p.m., uh, there were six million. 699,358 confirmed cases in the world and 393,383 deaths worldwide. Six million already? Uh, oh, it's already way past that, I'm sure, probably what? for infections. But I yeah. I realize the number had gone up. That I, I hadn't seen the number because you know how it was posted everywhere. Yeah. It was so easy to. Now they don't have it like easily accessible for people. So, at least mm. for me, it, it's not plastered everywhere like how it was. Was so before. I always wondered and I have to like look it up and like go like search for it, which kind of sucks. It doesn't make sense that I should have to do that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, as the time, crazy. at the time I checked, it was almost at 7 million cases. But yeah, but so. the but the, but the death count is dramatically less than that. It's still way higher it's than it still, should be. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the U.S. has the yeah. highest number of deaths and infection. Again, this is from the time that I checked, with one million eight hundred uh, eight hundred and eighty-five thousand one hundred and ninety-seven confirmed cases, and one hundred and eight thousand seven hundred and eight deaths. Way too many. It's a lot. Uh. And I'm only singling out the United States since we're based out of Texas. Uh, if if anyone wants to view rates for where they live, the Johns Hopkins COVID-19 world map is a very helpful source. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it's really cool. You can actually, you can break, if you're like, uh, you can break it down to different countries and then cities and towns within those countries. And I think you can even break it down wow, to counties in some areas. Yeah, it's very useful. Go Johns Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, Viruses that spread by way of respiratory droplets are going to spread most efficiently in areas with dense populations uh, that are within close contact with one another. Therefore, urban centers get hit the hardest first, especially urban centers with uh, public transit systems. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because like here in Texas, like even though like we live in a in a major city, San Antonio, we and we really ha have that. yeah, and we have other major cities in Texas. Like everyone in Texas kind of has cars. Like we have no public transit like system. A bus, but no one. The bus is awful. It. Yeah, very no. Scary and gross. Yeah, no. Our our bus system is really bad. I I have a friend who takes mind. the bus to work, and like in a car, the the ride would take about fifteen minutes to get to work. Even but when cousin, he takes the right? Uh, I was going to school. Yeah, but I'm talking about Griffin right now. Yeah, yeah, no, but, but I'm just saying that's another example. Yeah, yeah. He he told me like to get to work in a car, it takes him like 15 minutes. But when he took the bus, it took an hour. So. Yeah, we really need better public transit Definitely. here in Texas, especially with how many people we have living here. But how I digress. How many people we have driving, and how many accidents we have on like 1604 and stuff like that. Exactly, it would it's dramatically terrible. reduce how many accidents we have oh, yeah. and like reduce our carbon footprint. It's yeah. just more. It's more advantageous in most ways to have good public transit, but mm -hmm. like in this scenario, it's what kept Texas safer. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Also, places with major international ports and or airports are mm -hmm. also at a greater risk during a pandemic. Uh, it's crazy playing that mobile game Plague Inc. because you can <laughs> literally watch a plane with an infected person on it leave wherever you started your outbreak and land in another major city, effectively spreading itself. your virus. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. Super fun strategy game. 
uh, highly re- me- uh, recommend it to anyone interested one. in epidemiology. Yeah, you can like mutate it and make it stronger. Oh, it's it so neat, and it honestly teaches you a lot about viruses. Also, yeah, I think the person who developed the game it was so legit that they actually had him go speak at the CDC in the United States. That's so cool, right? <laughs> I know. Honestly, he might. There's yeah. no way he just knew all that shit. He probably already had a. He probably already had a background. Yeah, that's and true. stuff. Uh. Anyway, uh, outbreaks typically start or gather steam in these urban areas and then spread out to more rural areas. This happens slowly because not only must you wait for a city dweller to travel to a rural area, but that person also has to be infected and come into contact with the locals to uh, pass it along. Uh, Or country folk head up to the big city for something and then accidentally bring a virus back to their community, although I'm sure they would have preferred I Heart New York keychains instead. We were supposed to one day. in the middle of this. One day, yeah. It was crazy. Cause when it's I, nice and when it's uh, safe. Right before all of this happened, I was supposed to go to China and I was supposed to go to New York, yeah. two places that like were not good places to be in this time. Oh, not at all. Uh, so I know it's super weird right now because some of the major cities are starting to see some decline in new infections, uh, which makes a lot of people who are living in less severe areas eager to open back up especially since the severity of the pandemic probably seems very abstract to them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that decision may prove to be premature. Uh, Evidence is showing that new infections are still increasing in many communities. Uh, The infection is moving out of the major cities and into more rural areas now. Uh, And what a lot of people aren't taking into consideration is, again, uh, if we don't slow transmission, uh, figure out a definitive treatment or develop a vaccine, they could be getting a strain with natural mutations for higher virulence. And again, like it maybe not, but it's a possibility. Yeah, it should really uh, start racking up them numbers. Also, med- not be good. medical infrastructure in smaller towns can be quickly overwhelmed yeah. by, a major out- by a major outbreak mm-hmm. uh, because they don't have the same kind of resources as a major city. Mm-hmm. I remember, do you remember that, uh, that docu-series we were watching on Netflix, Pandemic? I think so. Yeah, and uh, not Plandemic, <laughs> the fake one, but yeah, <laughs> Pandemic. Really good uh, docu-series on Netflix, but they, they interview a woman who, where she's like the town physician. It's like she's the only doctor in town, and everyone knows her, and mm-hmm. she admits, like, hey, like this is a small town, and I'm really the only person here, and it's like, if we were to experience an outbreak, like, I simply do not have the resources to, like, help as many people as I would need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in my own personal experience from uh, from doing my EMT training and uh, having to pick up people where like more severe patients who needed um, more dramatic medical intervention, mm-hmm. uh, even though there were a bunch of, I should probably preface with this by saying that when I did my EMT certification, the station I was working at was out in the sticks. So it was kind of like out in the middle of nowhere really quiet area we got a few crazy calls but it was mostly like uh like fair like uh uh what are they called like good where you just kind of check up on old people to see how they're doing like they haven't checked in in a while yeah like (laughs) what like well like wellness calls yeah like we know these people live in the community and so it's kind of like oh like you go out and you just make sure they're doing okay and we had some crazy calls but yeah one time one time i swear to god we sat around for hours just watching river monsters (laughs) <laughs> just not because if you don't get a call like there's nothing to really do uh, a lot of people study like yeah. that's one thing we'll do where we'll be like okay well today like we're gonna go over this just that's to make cool. sure like if something yeah. went down we know how to do this or we would like practice like different yeah we would practice different techniques and stuff like that but anyway 
um, since we're out in the sticks, there's mm-hmm. there's some smaller uh, there's some smaller emergency rooms and some smaller hospitals, but they don't have a lot of staff and equipment on hand to deal with more serious injuries. And so sometimes mm-hmm. if you pick up a patient, uh, you might just end up having to pass up these places because they simply do not have the resources yeah. and you're going to drive the extra distance to like a military or university hospital that has better resources. It's hard to get there. Yeah. Uh, while this, along with the southern hemisphere moving into colder weather, are likely the reasons we're seeing some spikes, uh, we could be seeing a rise in cases simply due to more testing being done also. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is why getting a reliable test distributed to healthcare professionals around the world is so important. Uh, it allows for better epidemiological tracking. So hopefully, at the very least, the world uses this pandemic as a learning experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think this virus is going to be the thing that ends the human species. It's oh, just no. not. Uh, but one day, the next virus or other infectious agent could be. I, I think growing from this experience is probably the best way to honor the thousands of people who have already lost their lives from Absolutely. this uh, virus. Maybe the virus is gaining momentum or Maybe it's slowing down and we can chalk up the new cases to better testing coverage. Uh, but is that something we want to chance as a people, knowing that human life is what's on the line if we're wrong? Uh, things will get better as more people are exposed and hopefully vaccinated in the not-too-distant future. Uh, we as a people will start to gain immunity for SARS-CoV-2. Uh, this coronavirus has the potential to become just another virus that causes mild cold-like symptoms like multiple coronaviruses already are. Uh, But there are still a lot of people who have not been exposed and may still be susceptible to severe disease. So consider those people and just just take a good long look at your sweet old Mima. Mm -hmm. Don't be... Yeah, like you too. Like like people would look at you and be like, oh, you're like a healthy 23-year-old woman. Uh Uh-huh. So you're probably fine. You're like, no, like I have asthma, like, and I haven't been exposed to the coronavirus. Like, if you yeah, gave it to me, that like, to that body. could make me really sick because I already have difficulty breathing. Yeah, and that's just things to take into consideration. It's very scary. Uh, all right. So now we're moving into diagnostics. So yes. let's figure out how we determine whether or not you have an infection. Uh, the first step in diagnosing someone with COVID nineteen is to, of course, evaluate their signs and symptoms. From there, determine if a test is warranted. Uh, If it is determined that a test is in fact warranted or people simply want to get tested since they're more widely available now, there are two types of tests one could receive. The test I'm sure more people are familiar with is the viral test, which identifies if you have a current infection. This test takes time and requires laboratory equipment to process. The other test is an antibody test, which identifies if you've had a previous infection and if you developed antibodies in response to that infection. This test is really fast, but it is more useful for tracking viral spread and determining if we can produce antibodies for SARS-CoV-2 antigens. Because uh, if this is the only test you're taking, then you probably, you're probably either someone who experienced very mild symptoms and just self-isolated until you felt better or went completely asymptomatic. Uh, (laughs) and those of you who don't know what antibodies are they are free floating capital y shaped proteins produced by differentiated b cells i.e plasma cells to neutralize pathogens Uh, essentially like these little y proteins just bind themselves on to the spikes of a virus let's say and it keeps them from being able to enter your cells because yeah they're blocking up the key 
Uh, again, so sorry, something that will be covered in the immune system episodes I have planned. Uh, there are five main antibody isotypes, uh, but the antibody test for COVID-19 is only testing for the presence of IgG and or IgM. Uh, antibodies for SARS-CoV-2 are produced by the adaptive immune system one to three weeks after infection. IgM is typically produced within the first week of an active infection. Mm -hmm. uh, IgG antibodies are produced later, but IgG is what lingers to provide that long-term immunity after being exposed to something. Mm -hmm. uh, for, this vi for, for this test, a healthcare worker takes a small amount of blood from the patient's finger using a lancet and capillary tube. The small blood sample is then transferred into a well in the test cassette. These testing cassettes are impregnated with antigen and antibodies for human IgG and IgM for SARS-CoV-2. So essentially inside of this testing cassette, they have antibodies that recognize our antibodies mm -hmm. toward SARS-CoV-2. Pretty meta. But like <laughs> they, they bind on these antibodies bind on to our antibodies and yeah. that's how we get a positive result. If you have antibodies, a little line appears on the test cassette, like your preggers, but with antibodies for SARS-CoV-2. You're positive. It's a newborn baby COVID. It's an IgM. <laughs> How proud. You're sick. Oh, my God. Could you, <laughs> could you imagine the gender reveal for this test? And how many people have to senselessly die? What color do you think it would be? I don't color know. Would M do you remember that? M gives me purple vibes and G gives me green vibes, but I feel like it's just because G and green. It's the same. Yeah, why wouldn't M be like magenta? I don't know. I'm just, I just see purple when I think of the letter M. Do you remember when that was a thing for like a couple years when people were literally dying in gender reveal parties because people kept making like home like homemade explosives to try and like <laughs> forest fires? Yeah. Well, no. So so there was the guy who burned yes, like hundreds I, of acres. Yeah. With, they didn't know why, and then they found out it was because of a gender reveal. That and then there was another guy who's the gender reveal like thing he set up. He essentially made a pipe bomb. And so when he shot it to reveal the gender, shrapnel killed their grandma. Bastard. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Like they should just like make a cake and then the color of the the color of the bread when you like cut it. That's what cake, I'm saying. It'd yeah. Be, like, pink or blue. Yeah, that's like, the classic way of doing it. Or like popping a balloon or like fucking something yeah. like that. It's the social media world. Everyone has to constantly one up on one another. up each other, so everybody's yeah. doing crazy stuff. Maybe some paint. <laughs> That'd be cool. Don't release balloons though, guys, because what if they get stuck in a wire or true or like they a get bird wrapped eats around it? a bird's yeah. neck and then it chokes to death mid flight then, yeah. Again, look at you being considerate. Putting yourself in cake. the shoes Do the of cake birds. Idea. It tastes good and it'd be fun to use food coloring. Love food coloring. Uh, we don't have enough data yet to determine how long this natural antibody based immunity lasts. Uh, but in SARS, recovered patients or asymptomatic patients uh, who developed antibodies maintain their antibody immunity for up to two years okay uh, but these antibodies are exactly what we're trying to stimulate with a vaccine that's the whole point of a vaccine mm, you want to get them to make them yeah you're trying to way yeah you're trying to artificially stimulate the production of these antibodies so when the real thing comes you're prepared yeah your body has been primed and knows what it's looking for it's like in medieval times giving farmers like guns instead of pitchforks so they're able to 
fight against. Yeah, is that what you like, equated to? Soldiers who are trying to take over the town. I mean, yeah, it is. I guess yeah. like it's better arming them. Yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's let's take out the pitchforks. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I'd... even though it looks like a pitchfork, <laughs> it does kind of look like a pitchfork. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Maybe we should change it from like a rock to a pitchfork. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little better. Yeah. I don't maybe. think I don't think our cells have guns. That'd be cool if they did. Shoot down the virus. Yeah, that's why everybody was buying It'd so many be bullets. Like, be like a Star Wars. Remember, everybody was buying Wait. bullets. Everybody was buying bullets. Yeah, when the outbreak happened and everybody was freaking out, everyone bought all the bullets. I was just so baffled. So they that can so many shoot their virus. All that toilet paper. That is the funniest thing to me. Who knew toilet paper would be the one of the things to go? And Nintendo switches. And Nintendo switches. Everybody bought all the switches to resell them for like three times the price, and it's like, what? Like you're the worst kind of person. And fabric. Fabric masks. too, because of masks. That's crazy. Like God it makes it. sense, but you never really think about it. Yeah, you're like food, ammo, and like water. Maybe it's like nope, fabric and uh, toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> um, the viral test, which detects an active infection, starts by taking a swab from either the nasopharyngeal or oropharyngeal cavity mm-hmm. to collect secretions which may contain virus or viral RNA. Yummy. Uh, if anyone has ever received a flu test, it's similar to that. <laughs> they basically just poke your brain with a long-ass Q-tip, or, so or at least that's the way it feels. Yeah. I've had a flu test, but uh, have you ever I, had a flu I test? I think I have. But I don't know because I've seen videos of it and it looks so much more intense than what I remember mm. how I got swabs. I don't know if they were just doing it on the low key, not as well as they should have, or if it just wasn't as maybe as long as a cute, as long of a Q-tip, like they didn't have to go as far mm-hmm. into my brain to get what they get. My brain. I don't know, but yeah, the, it looks gnarly. You're like, great, hurts. I forgot how to play the violin. Thanks, <laughs> asshole. Like, you just, like, jabbed the right part of your brain that, like, obliterated it's the ability to be musical. Yeah. Just got the <laughs> that's what, like, like the, do you know what the Broca spot is? I've heard of it, but I don't remember. Yeah, that's, like, this, like, huge thing in psychology because it was, like, the first time people finally realized, like, how important the brain is to the way you're feeling because for the longest yeah, time, everyone was, like, your stuff. heart was yeah. like yeah and so like this guy got like uh i think it was like a i think it was like a pipe like went through his head oh my god and the part of the brain that it damaged was what like gives you empathy and emotions oh, and so no. afterwards like he was just like he was so fu- he was able to do everything normal he just had no, no emotions he was exactly like he's like a robot mm-hmm. yeah sucks. it just obliterated his emotions and so that's wow. called so that part of your brain is referred to as like the broca spot it's so sad but it's so interesting how just one small little piece of tissue can control so much yeah all right so are you ready to learn how the viral test actually works some of this should sound familiar to you let's see what's up all right the sample taken from one of your various cavities Mm -hmm. is then prepared for real-time reverse transcriptase polymerase chain reaction or rt pcr this is a process by which complementary dna is synthesized from viral rna and then the complementary DNA is amplified so that it can be analyzed. And so you might be wondering, like, how, where do we get this enzyme to create uh, DNA from RNA when we know that our cells don't do that? So we, mm-hmm. we actually get that from HIV, like viruses. Well, not necessarily just HIV, but we get it from retroviruses okay. because retroviruses use reverse transcriptase. Yeah. And uh, one day when we cover HIV, we'll talk about retroviruses and we'll talk about reverse transcriptase. Oh, yeah. But uh, that's what it does. It creates DNA from an RNA transcript. 
And uh, even though our cells can't do that, viruses can. And so that's where we get that from. Mm -hmm. The sequence chosen to be amplified is typically something highly conserved in the genome of interest. That way, other genomes from things that are naturally living in our gross face holes don't get amplified by accident (laughs) and give a false positive. Uh, So it's kind of like um, if I gave you a jar and I asked you what used to be in this jar, would you be able to tell better if there were bubble gum? (laughs) Would you would you would you be able to tell better if there were some crumbs in the bottom of the jar or half a cookie? (laughs) <laughs> cookie right like, i'll take the cookie <laughs> <laughs> like where's Please, my cookie God. Uh, yeah so that i don't know that's like how i can kind of think of it because it's just like we have so yeah. little but mm-hmm. if we had some more we would be able to detect it better yeah and so it's like yeah there's some crumbs that could have been anything maybe there's a fucking jar of biscotti i don't know but you see half a chocolate mm. chip cookie you're like oh this jar used to have cookies in it and yeah. i kind of hope that metaphor is gonna go along smoother but you kind of looked at me very questioningly when i asked you that question i just you just wanted I cookies just wanted a cookie. i understand <laughs> all right really so good. starting the process mm-hmm. by using a combination of buffer solutions centrifugation and chromatography any rna present is isolated from the sample rt pcr master mix appropriate oh. primers and probes that are then added to the purified sample. Mm-hmm. By using specific primers, we can amplify specific genes that are highly conserved in the viral genome of interest, uh, in our case, SARS-CoV-2. Fluorescent probes anneal or attach to target complementary DNA during the amplification process. Uh, the reporter of fluorescence is attached to the 5' prime end of the probe. Also attached to the probe is a quencher, which prevents light emission by the reporter. During the annealing process, the probe is bound to the target sequence if it is present. And during the extension process, DNA polymerase cleaves the probe, separating the reporter from the quencher. And without the quencher, the reporter can now emit light. Uh, The amount of light emitted is proportional to the amount of virus. Uh, Light emission is detected by a camera and converted into graphical data in real time. And so here is an image of like kind of PCR. So we have the first step, which is heat denaturation. And so when you use the heat to denature our our DNA and to denature our probe, now it's opened up so it can be annealed to our template in step two. And then once it is annealed, it is ready for the extension. And so during the extension process, you can see here how the polymerase is going along and it it first cleaves off the emitter of fluorescence and so that's just a biochemical reaction by which it emits light same way like a squid in the bottom of the ocean would and so that is cleaved off from our quencher and the quencher prevents this light from being emitted and so once the fluorescent probe is cleaved it's now emitting light and so now we can detect that light and use that to determine yes there is SARS-CoV-2 in this sample (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's what it looks like yeah it's like this weird like little meatball yeah, just kind of chugging along. Yeah, I want to know who I want to know who decides like what little cartoons and pictures like represent all of these things. I don't know, but it's it's entertaining. Yeah, because there's not a lot of I'm like not mad at it. there's not a lot of similarities <laughs> between them though. Everyone's just like fucking just random shapes. Yeah, like there's all f- like willy no nilly. Yeah, there's no consistency because yeah. I wouldn't be able to look at a shape in one book and be like, okay, that shape in all other books is like. DNA polymerase. It's like no, they're probably gonna use like a different shape because everyone there's everyone just does whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Um. So this is a process that probably deserves its own episode. 
not only because of its uh, diagnostic abilities, but also because of how PCR revolutionized forensic science. Uh, so I essentially just explained diet PCR. <laughs> uh, CT scans are also used to determine severity of infection by viewing the lungs. COVID-19 is characterized by ground glass opacities. Basically, the lungs have a hazy gray appearance to them when viewed in a CT scan mm -hmm. when healthy lungs should appear black in the scan. Ground glass opacities are simply indicative of some kind of lung damage. They can, be they can be observed in a number of diseases, so ground glass opacities are not enough to diagnose COVID-19 alone. Uh, however, it is a sign of severe infection if the patient tests positive for COVID-19. Can you imagine? They just throw up the pictures and it's just super hazy and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> but you tested negative. Whoa. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying, though. Like it, it's, it's. So y'all look at all that damage. Yeah, it just means damage. Like it doesn't necessarily still, mean you have COVID nineteen. Oh yeah, it's definitely still scary. It's like I got something. Something's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you're, like, look a, normal. you're like I'm a two pack a day guy. <laughs> what could possibly what be could wrong possibly with my lungs? Be going wrong? I should be fine. Four jerseys. <laughs> all right, so now we're ready to move on to the treatment. Uh, there is currently no specific antiviral treatment that is standard protocol for COVID-19. Uh, different antivirals are currently being used to varying degrees of success, uh, with more drugs coming down the pipeline. Most treatment is symptomatic. Uh, oxygen therapy represents the predominant intervention for severe patients. As breathing becomes more labored, a ventilator may be necessary to supply uh, adequate oxygen to a patient. As for antivirals, doctors are using drugs that are used to treat uh, different infectious diseases along with other broad-spectrum antivirals. One of the most promising is actually a drug that has not been approved yet and was designed to treat a different well-known virus. But let's go ahead and jump into these antivirals. <laughs> Lopinavir and ritonavir inhibit viral proteases from cleaving viral polyproteins uh, resulting in non-functional proteins. So uh, some viruses actually, instead of creating like subgenomic, I actually don't really understand why this was used so much in the treatment of COVID-19 because like now we know it's using subgenomic mm -hmm. RNAs. And so, but what a lot of viruses actually do, like HIV, which these drugs are used mostly to treat, um, instead of producing individual proteins, it actually produces just one long, big polyprotein, mm -hmm. and then a protease comes and cuts up that polyprotein into its respective uh, structural proteins. Mm -hmm. And so this is one of the antivirals that's been used. Uh, one of the things I'm sure everyone's heard tons about already is chloroquine and hydrochloroquine, mm -hmm. which are both used successfully in malarial treatment and have been tested on a variety of viruses. However, it has never been shown to significantly decrease viral loads in any of the studies. Uh, while some doctors have been using chloroquine and hydrochloroquine in their COVID-19 treatment, uh, it has not been shown to help. If the anti-malarial drugs had worked, it would be the first time they successfully cleared a viral infection. The whole idea as to why chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine might work as antivirals is because they're both weak bases. So theoretically, these weak bases could alter the pH of endosomes when engulfed by a cell, denying virions their environmental cue to unfold their fusion peptides. The virions would then be degraded when the endosome fused with a lysosome. Alter their pH. <laughs> I'm sorry? Alter their pH. 
<laughs> oh, the PH? Could you imagine if that's I how I pronounced it? When no. I would read it in school, I'd be like, <laughs> well, remember, like, there's a lot of things that, like, we as, like, students mm-hmm. and, like, undergrads would say certain words. And then I would, c- I could never tell if our professors were just trying to be snooty and seem, like, more intelligent when they'd pronounce things super weird. I think it's a potato, potato kind of kind of thing. thing. Yeah, but nobody says potato. I mean, um, Irish people say tomato. It sounds like that. They're like tomato. Yeah. Obviously not like that. Is that, that your representation of an Irish terrible, person? Terrible, but I just like they have that that cute little accent, and it like it changes the emphasis on certain letters potato. within the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so the, it kind of sounds more like that than. Tomato, you know. Yeah. sound like robots. <laughs> they got a little flair. Yeah, because, like, I've always said fungi. And I, then and then all of our professors say, say fungi. Yeah, that makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why that pronunciation. I'm just like, ee. That's what I'm saying, yeah. All right. <laughs> cringe a little bit. Uh, oh, man. I, I, I have been why. dreading this entire episode for this moment when I had to pronounce this drug. Tocilizumab. Is that how you would say that? Tocilizumab? Tocilizumab. <laughs> I guess. That is a it looks ridiculous. Word. It yeah. really is. They're I, like, we got to make it sound. I think it's like a German nonsense. medicine. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So well, Tocilizumab, <laughs> if that's how you pronounce it, is not an antiviral, actually, and would probably be more considered a symptomatic treatment, but it's a, it's a drug. Uh, anyway... So Silizumab is humanized IgG1 monoclonal antibodies against interleukin-6. So these are antibodies designed to recognize and bind interleukin-6. By neutralizing human interleukin-6, this drug can help prevent that quote-unquote cytokine storm mentioned earlier. The storm? Yes. Thank you for the (laughs) ambiance. You're welcome. Uh... Arbidol is a, another drug being used, and it is a broad-spectrum antiviral that inhibits membrane fusion. Mm-hmm. Rendesivir <laughs> is the newest and most promising antiviral drug used to treat COVID-19 that I mentioned above. These words are weird, man. Rem- <laughs> Remdesivir is a drug <laughs> developed by Gilead. Uh, this was done a few years ago to actually combat the Ebola outbreak in West Africa. Ebola, like coronavirus is a positive-sense single-stranded RNA virus. Uh, remdesivir is a nucleotide analog that prevents the replication of viral RNA. Specifically, remdesivir is an adenine nucleotide analog. So when viral RNA polymerase is trying to transcribe viral RNA, it will accidentally add remdesivir instead of an adenine nucleotide. And remember, we were talking about those nucleotides earlier, and those are our bases for... Well, and this you. is RNA, so what is oh, it? Oh, you. You, it's yeah. You. I was just trying to say them all in general. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so remdesivir is big and bulky, so it prevents yes. the addition of more nucleotides, effectively terminating transcription. Uh, since remdesivir targets viral RNA, it was quickly put to the test on COVID-19 once the virus uh, reached the United States. While it had not been approved by the FDA yet, The drug was first offered to a COVID-19 patient as a sort of mercy treatment. The drug is now being distributed to different hospitals and agencies for use and study. So here are a couple pictures for us. So right here, this is our our typical adenine nucleotide. So here's our sugar, our nitrogenous base, and our phosphate group. And so here is that adenine. 
And yeah. so over here, it looks pretty similar. We got our sugar. We have our adenine. But then attached to our phosphate group is all this other bullshit. We have a, ring. yeah, we have an aromatic ring. We have a bunch of, uh, what is that? Is that an acyl group? Got an acyl group attached to it and a bunch of other remember. like carbon structures, a bunch of chains. Like needless to say, it, it's, it's a big, it's big bulky. It reminds me of like in cartoons when someone was trying to bust someone out of jail. And so while like whoever was sleeping and they were like holding the keys, they would take the keys from them and like simultaneously put something else in its place so that way it grabs onto that instead and it doesn't know the difference have you ever seen cartoons like that no great (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was so lost i'm so sorry yeah like like they're trying to bust them out of jail and say like it's like the whoever is just like keeping watch and they have they fall asleep and they have like the keys and mm-hmm. so they're trying to get them out and they'll take the keys and they'll put like oh so you're talking about like indiana jones where you have to put like yeah, a bag of sand yeah. to like replace the crystal sure. skull okay exactly. there's another example okay yeah, but mine was like a cartoon example yours was like a movie example. okay so remdesivir exactly is the bag the of sand thing. exactly okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah so so once this big bulky son of a bitch gets added on to the transcript like yeah. nothing else can get added on anymore mm-hmm. and so uh, another treatment that, again, we talked about is necessary in some patients is psychological counseling. Uh, people suffering from anxiety or cabin fever due to stay-at-home orders should seek ways of communicating with friends and family through digital means to feel less isolated. Yes, uh, these people should also try to form regular healthy habits and routines like exercise or kind of setting aside outside time for yourself to get sunlight. Take breaks from COVID-19 news and maybe form new or continue existing hobbies. That's honestly kind of what this podcast started as. is just me having to be stuck in my house. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess it's finally time for me to start a podcast like I always (laughs) wanted to. So now we're moving on to prevention. Uh, Obviously, one of the best ways to prevent the spread of any infectious agent is to self-isolate. Since this is not reasonable for most people, it is important to wear the appropriate level of PPE based on the situation, like work, outdoor activities, or even just going out to get groceries. Most PPE includes a mask, gloves, and maybe a face shield if you're a high-risk individual, uh, like healthcare workers or the immunocompromised. That's when you kind of probably want to take extra precautions. It's important to avoid touching the mouth, eyes, nose, and face in general, uh, practicing social distancing at least six feet apart, Wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds as frequently as possible when out in the world. If soap and water are not available, use spit hand sanitizer. Exactly. <laughs> just spit on your hands spit and on. rub them vigorously. <laughs> and the heat produced from that action will actually kill virus. It kills the virus. And then your hands light on fire because it's at 132 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, Spontaneously combust. If soap and water are not available, use hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. Remember when yes, my sir. roommate got uh from his company they yeah. gave him uh they gave him spray <laughs> and he was all it, couldn't kill anything. Yeah, and he God, he he was all wait. he was all super excited cuz he was like, "Oh, Here's like I water. got this spray." <laughs> but then the spray said it contained zero alcohol in it. it, just, it and that it was like Yeah, it, it said it was specifically viruses. a bacteria spray. That's so funny. And I was like, "What?" I they actually gave him a new spray now though that contains that alcohol. Works? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's what's up. Avoid groups, crowded areas as much as you can. Avoid no gangbangs. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh. 
Stay out of there, guys. I don't know why I said, oh, like that's your prerogative. But like, I think the reason I said that is right now I'm so hot. Hey, there's people that want to do that. I know. But yeah, right now I'm so hot and uncomfortable. And the idea of having to expose myself to multiple (laughs) individuals, I'm just like, oh, no, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to make someone deal with my Uh, fucking sweat. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, 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 no. You did right. Great. <laughs> you did right by the audience. You done good. You done good. <laughs> um avoid direct contact with people. So again, no gangbangs. <laughs> Sneeze or cough into a tissue or your elbow. Clean and disinfect surfaces that are frequently touched on a daily basis. Uh for more on what types of cleaners to use, see CDC guidelines for information on proper cleaning and disinfecting. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh so <laughs> Self-quarantine, so allow 14 days for viral incubation. Uh, If you show any signs or symptoms, contact healthcare officials to be tested so that they can uh, proceed to isolate and treat you if you test positive, Uh, as well as contact others you may have infected to break the chain of transmission. Uh, Respect stay-at-home orders in your areas of residence. The idea of social distancing and staying at home is to reduce the likelihood of an individual contracting COVID-19, yes, but it's also to prevent the spread, uh, giving the virus a reservoir to possibly mutate in, and uh, not creating a strain on the healthcare system. I think that's one thing we definitely all saw is that um, we really weren't prepared for a lot of people to be being put in hospitals all at one time like we did not have enough beds we did not have enough equipment but not as scary as it was i think i think hopefully it opened up a lot of people's eyes to being like we need to be more prepared we need to have a response team whose job is to simply be prepared for a pandemic Mm -hmm. so still on the topic of prevention of vaccines are obviously one of the best forms of prevention that still allow us to live our normal lives. There is currently no official vaccine on the market, but the identification of viral spike proteins is a big step in vaccine development. SARS-CoV-2 spike glycoproteins, or S-proteins, are composed of two subunits, S1 and S2. The transmembrane spike is a homotrimer of S-proteins, so that just means three of the same protein together. To interact with host ACE2 receptors, the homotrimer undergoes a conformational change to expose its receptor-binding domain. The S2 subunit, which contains the fusion peptide, transmembrane domain, and cytoplasmic domain, is highly conserved. Therefore, S2 subunits may be a good antiviral target and could be used for a vaccine to stimulate anti-S2 antibody production. Uh, As of April 8th, 2020, there was 115 vaccine candidates. Uh, Public info on the specific SARS-CoV-2 antigens being used in vaccine development is pretty limited. Uh, Most candidates for which information is available aim to induce neutralizing antibodies against the viral spike protein, preventing uptake via human ACE2 receptors. For the confirmed active candidates, 72% are private industry and 28% are academic, public sector, and other nonprofit organizations. So that's one of the reasons why we're missing a lot of information on like what they're actually intending to do is because the bulk of the people developing vaccines right now are all private companies and so it's all proprietary because they're trying to yeah. They're trying to monetize their vaccine. They're trying to make a profit. So it's hush hush. Yeah. Bunch of secrets. Two companies that seem to be in the lead are Moderna with their mRNA-1273 vaccine and Pfizer with their vaccine, which is also RNA-based. 
Both vaccines are actually currently in human trial. The idea of an mRNA vaccine is honestly super interesting. Uh, Moderna is an entire company that focuses on using mRNA for treating different ailments. Honestly, I think that this kind of drug development is the future. When developing a contra... <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. When developing a conventional vaccine, uh, labs have to cultivate large numbers of virus, typically grown in chicken eggs or mammalian cell cultures. Uh, these viruses then have to be collected and adapted for the vaccine developer's purposes. This takes a lot of time. And yeah, it blew my mind when I found out so that crazy. that like like a lot of vaccines are grown in chicken eggs. And it's just funny to see like, like all oh, of these, okay. yeah, to see all these scientists and like full scientist regalia and just like so, with chicken eggs. Coop. <laughs> yeah, developing an mRNA vaccine eliminates all these time-consuming processes. Mm-hmm. mRNA that codes for viral spike glycoproteins are isolated and amplified. The mRNA vaccine is then injected into a patient, where it will eventually enter host cells. The mRNA vaccine then uses the host machinery to produce these highly conserved viral proteins. And these viral proteins are benign on their own. Uh, Antigen-presenting cells then present these proteins to the adaptive immune system so that it can start to produce neutralizing antibodies. Uh, The patient is now making their own vaccine. Alternatively, a conventional vaccine introduces either isolated peptides from the virus or it could be a live attenuated virus or inactivated virus. Genius. It is genius, right? It's, it's like, so awesome. It's like instead of us. It makes so much sense. Instead <laughs> of us having to waste all this time to make a drug or yeah. make a thing. Yeah. It's like because they want to do with other drugs, too. Mm-hmm. And because there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, diseases where it's because you, you're simply missing a gene or have a faulty gene to produce some kind of protein. And because of that, you're like colorblind or you have diabetes, like just like stuff like like just a lot of things are because of just like a faulty gene because you need a certain protein. But now it's like, let me snip, snip. Yeah, because that's what because like that's all that gene is ultimately for. It's not it's not just because the gene is bad. It's because since the gene is bad, a protein isn't getting made. Yeah. But if we can just simply make the code and present it to your cells, then they'll just make the proteins. Yeah, that's all Uh they need it. They just needed the instructions as to how to make it. And then and like I said, too, like I know a lot of people are scared of vaccines for some reason, even though especially modern vaccines, we have them pretty down like they're Mm -hmm. very safe. But I mean, this would hopefully eliminate fear of them at all, because it's like it's literally just code like there's nothing else to it. Yeah, Uh, it's going to hurt you in any way. It's going to tell your body to make some stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited, and I really hope those mRNA vaccines work, and I hope we see Definitely. more like mRNA medicine. I'm really excited to like follow see Moderna's work goes. because, like, from what I saw in on Moderna's website, because mm-hmm. I was checking it out, uh, they have a crazy pipeline where they just have all these things planned and all these things they're working on. But I don't think they've actually like actually like they haven't put anything on the market yet. Yeah, like they're, that's how new they are. Well, it's like, also scary. It's like if you put something on the market and it doesn't. Oh, work it takes or years. Wrong yeah, with it, it, it people takes, can be mad. Yeah, it takes a really long time to put things to market. But I'm saying yeah. that's how new they are. Is they don't have anything on the market yet, from what I remember seeing but on I their think website. Just specifically with this one, because it's like you don't let people's hopes get up. Oh yeah, with like a vaccine. Yeah, because yeah, again, like I know, like right, right now right? in the U.S., like our our cases are kind of going down and stuff. But Brazil's getting hit hard right now. Like yeah. it's already kind of showing how the whole like southern hemisphere moving into colder weather and stuff like that. Like it, it really is happening that way a little yeah. bit. I think now would be uh, a cool time to talk about uh, viral escapes. Mm-hmm. 
there has been a lot of misinformation going around claiming that SARS-CoV-2 was developed in a Chinese lab and then either rele- was released or escaped. However, there is no evidence to support these claims. That being said, lab escapes do happen, and I thought it would be fun to talk about an example of this actually happening, specifically in China. Uh, I do want to preface, though, that there is no evidence to support that this was released with malicious intent. Uh, This is also where we finally talk about swine flu again, like I said. Hell yeah. Yeah, made good on my word. In 1918, there was an H1N1 pandemic, often called the Spanish flu. Uh, which infected 500 million people, uh, roughly one-third of the Earth's population at the time. Uh, There were reported 50 million deaths worldwide, uh, but some estimates double that number. And there were 675,000 deaths reported in the U.S. alone. Uh, You can actually find Spanish flu mass graves if you dig around in the right or wrong spot. That is terrifying. Yeah, there there was just so many people. Extreme. Right now, I think that's one of the things they said in Brazil too. Is like grave diggers are like constantly digging right now because people like a lot of people are dying over there in Brazil, unfortunately. But yeah, like during during the Spanish flu, so many people were dying that they're like, we just have to throw all of these bodies into one pit. This pandemic was named the Spanish flu simply because Spain actually reported on it Mm -hmm. uh, since they didn't have wartime news blackouts during World War One because they were neutral. Mm -hmm. Uh, It did not, however, originate in Spain, and the actual origins are still disputed, but France, China, Britain, and the U.S. are all suspected as being the country of origin. So it kind of sucks for Spain because they were literally just trying to, like, be good reporters because no no other countries were really mentioning it because there was just these huge news blackouts because of World War I. Uh But Spain is like, how is nobody talking about this deadly pandemic? (laughs) Could you imagine that? Just, like, everybody around you (laughs) just dropping, like, flies and they're not talking about it in the news whatsoever? Yeah. That's horrifying. I would think I would be going insane. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, what's happening then? Mm -hmm. So, H1N1 cases steadily declined until it was thought to have gone extinct when the H2N2 strain was discovered in 1957. Surprise. Uh, <laughs> surprise, motherfucker. Uh, what is that from? Dexter, right? I don't remember. Remember the one detective who's, like, the only one who, like, kind of knows that there's something up with Dexter? It's been so long. And he always pops up and he's always like, surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> and like they like made that meme where it's like some, some fries, fries motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Since a lot of people had been exposed to H1N1 and influenza vaccine development had started a couple decades later with the isolation of influenza in 1933, uh, we developed a herd immunity toward H1N1. However, influenza is easily mutated due to its segmented genome, so new strains regularly emerge to replace old ones. In 1977, an H3N2 strain of human influenza was in circulation when H1N1 strains were isolated from patients in Soviet China and later Russia. It now continues to circulate to this day, later becoming the 2009 swine flu pandemic. Based on all evidence, the scientific community is pretty certain that the reemergence of H1N1 happened because it escaped from a lab in Soviet China. Genetic analysis showed that this strain was very similar to a strain of H1N1 that was circulating in 1950, meaning the 1977 outbreak was likely from a sample that was isolated and frozen in 1950. Uh, Alternatively, somehow the strain of H1N1 remained unchanged for 27 years, 
uh, knowing how prone to mutation influenza is, this is highly unlikely. The strain that escaped is not thought to be a bioweapon and not thought to have been released deliberately. Evidence supporting that this was not a malicious act is the fact that in the initial Chinese outbreak, 9 out of 10 viral isolates expressed temperature sensitivity. And temperature sensitivity is an uncommon trait seen in naturally occurring wild-type flu strains, but it is, fun- it is a fundamental trait in a live attenuated virus. Temperature sensitivity occurs after a series of lab manipulations. Uh, this may be why the reemergence of this virus didn't cause a bigger issue, since most people alive at the time had probably never encountered H1N1, so it could have been another really bad pandemic. Uh, this was a weakened strain, which wouldn't make sense if you were trying to develop a bioweapon and release mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, yeah, why, why, would you, why would you give it temperature sensitivity, which weakens the virus like you would want to yeah, make? You'd make it hard for. Exactly. Strains in 1977 through 1978 had a mix of temperature-sensitive and wild-type components, suggesting that a mid-protocol batch was released during a vaccine trial by accident. Uh, because China, uh, because the Chinese did have a big vaccine development program occurring around this time. Uh, there was a bunch of weird cover-ups uh, when this first happened because Western scientists were hesitant to accuse Soviet China scientists. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were working on global surveillance of influenza and didn't want to lose out on obtaining data from the USSR by offending them, essentially. Uh, Western scientists started to hypothesize different ways by which this virus may have survived unchanged for so long, essentially making excuses for the USSR. Mm-hmm. One theory was a type of biological stasis, but no science ever supported how this incident could have occurred naturally. There was even this study that came out of Russia claiming that they found old H1N1 virions frozen in Siberian lake water. They claimed that the virus was shed into lakes by infected migratory birds and was frozen in the lake water when it was cold. Uh, during oh the goodness. Yeah, so during the warmer months, viable virus from a bygone era was released into the water when the ice started to melt. Okay. However, this research has been discredited by the scientific community for essentially bad science. Mm-hmm. So it was, again, just kind of another way of trying to cover up yeah. um, how it could have been released. <laughs> so viruses have escaped labs, but yeah. there is no evidence to suggest that SARS-CoV-2 came from a lab and my kind of like rationale is like if we were able to figure out back then that like oh this virus is obviously not natural it escaped from a lab that i'm pretty sure that we would be able to figure that out today with modern science and all that we know pretty early also knowing that it's just kind of like i don't know because like (laughs) nothing all right so that's all I have on this topic. Uh, thank you for listening. It means a lot. Uh, I know that these are very tumultuous times, especially here in the U.S. with the upcoming presidential election and protest. I just want to say we're all in this together and helping each other and having empathy for one another is the only way we're going to get through this in one piece. Yeah. Uh, please practice social distancing as much as possible and wear appropriate PPE as needed. Please. Uh, Maybe you're a healthy young buck or doe, but do it for the people most affected by this virus. Do it for our elderly who are often treated as if they are expendable. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know some of them aren't the greatest to be around, but these people (laughs) are our storytellers. These are the people who have experienced history, uh, the people who can provide firsthand accounts about where we've been so that we know where we need to be going. Do it for the healthcare workers and their families. These are the people who help you and your loved ones at risk of their own health and the health of their family. Mm -hmm. 
uh, do it for the immunocompromised, uh, people of all ages who have a higher risk for reasons they cannot control. This pandemic will end soon, but let's get to the other side with as many of our loved ones as possible. Remember to stay educated and follow the precautions and guidelines set by healthcare institutions. Mm -hmm. And now where can they find all those pretty pictures we referenced in the episode, Mia? On our beautiful website. We have them all posted on straighttothebrain.com. That's straight and then the number two, the brain. Straighttothebrain.com. Yes, and all the sources used on the episode can also be found there on the sources tab. Mm -hmm. Uh, Follow us on at straighttobrain on Twitter and Instagram. And that is straight, the number two, brain. Straight to brain. (laughs) And if you enjoyed this, give us a positive review so that we can get noticed by more people. Uh, I want to get more people into science so that there's more people in the world who are willing to talk about nerdy science shit with me. Yeah, join our science cult. (laughs) Yeah, science cult. Oh, man, we should make science cult t-shirts. Yeah, why not? Hell yeah. All right, that's definitely going to be in the works now. (laughs) We have to come up with the design for science cult. Sounds good. I'll do that right now. If you have any questions, comments, or episode ideas, you can email us at straighttobrain at gmail.com. Again, that is the number two for two. two. As a disclaimer, I am not considered an expert on the topics I cover. Goodbye, and good luck in your endeavors. Later, guys. This has been Straight Straight to to the the brain. Brain.